Welcome back to Venture Studio. Today we have another classic episode from the Venture Studio vault. Originally recorded in May 2011, Dave interviewed Jeff Clavier, an angel investor who helped build out the micro VC ecosystem. Whether you call him a super angel or a micro VC, Jeff is the founder of SoftTech VC, one of the pioneers of the recent boom of high volume sub $100 million seed funds. SoftTech VC is based in the Bay Area, but Jeff and his team, which includes Columbia Business School grad Steph Palmieri, spend a lot of time in New York with their portfolio companies. At the time of this recording, SoftTech VC3 had just launched with a target of $35 million, but ultimately closed at $55 million. Today, SoftTech VC is investing out of its $85 million fourth fund. One of SoftTech VC's most notable investments to date is Fitbit, which went public in June of this year with a valuation of about $4.1 billion. Today, Fitbit has a market cap north of $7.5 billion. Check out VentureStudio.org for more interviews with some of New York's best venture investors. Be sure to follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash venture studio and subscribe on iTunes. Our Twitter feed is at Venture Studio. Now, let's head up to the Venture Studio office. In the office, baby. Hey everybody, Dave Lerner, Venture Studio, welcome. We've got a real treat for you today. Jeff Clavier is here in New York City. We're at Dogpatch Labs on site. He's done 99 deals. Maybe he'll do his 100th in New York City, we'll see. Jeff, welcome, good to see you. Good to see you, thanks for having me. I think one of the things that people would love to hear is sort of how you transitioned from being an entrepreneur, being on Wall Street, to becoming an angel investor. Tell us a little about that. Okay, so quick background. Uh, I'm essentially a developer by training. I coded in C and C++ when I was younger. Uh, did a startup in the financial services market back in the late 80s and spent really 12 years in, in finance. In 2000, moved to venture capital because I wanted to move to the valley and this is where I had a great opportunity. Stumbled into it, didn't plan for it. Did four years as a traditional VC from 2000 to 2004. Those were not the prettiest uh, sort of years for, for VC. And in 2004, I started seeing this new generation of you know, capital-efficient Web2 companies that I thought were really intriguing. My partners were not really keen on those. They thought they were like not that interesting. Decided to leave and start investing my own money as a business angel. Did that for three and a half years, investing in 20 plus companies. And uh, because I was successful, I had the opportunity to raise my first fund, which I wasn't really planning to do. But when you have such an opportunity, you just go for it and um, built one of the first micro VC, you know, seed stage firms. Uh, SoftTech VC2 was the, uh, the, the brand and um, raised a $15 million fund, did a bunch of investments and essentially became one of the institutions uh, in the early stage. Right, you were a pioneer in this seed stage space. There was a few of us. Uh, I would say the real pioneer was, was uh, my friend Josh Koppelman because he did the very first, you know, uh, first round capital back in 2004 when I was sort of a baby angel investor. Um, and it was really an inspiration to a number of us. Uh, two or three of us sort of had a similar concept so I was one of the first ones, but not the very first one. But Josh back then was exclusively on the East Coast, maybe, or not? He was traveling a lot. Okay. He, that's why his blog was called Red IVC, because yeah, he was uh, traveling between uh, uh, you know, his home base here and San Francisco uh, way too much. So SoftTech VC, Roman numeral two, you raised about $15 million. Yes. 
and you've made how many investments in that fund? So we closed 65 investments out of that one, and this fund is closed, so we are now no longer adding any new companies um, to fund two. Um, 32 companies have already raised uh, a total of $215 million in, um, in additional financing. Uh, we've sold or we've exited um, 10 companies um, through you know cash uh, M&A through stock M&A sometimes that's why you know we have some Groupon some Twitter uh, some Glam Media shares in the fund and so overall we're really happy with uh, the mix of companies we have. The third fund, Roman numeral three, fund is three? Uh, 35 million dollar fund of which you know we um, we filed some paperwork with the SEC uh, talking about a 15 million dollar close that we did back in December. And that fund has done 12 investments. I noticed you hired Charles Hudson yes. a couple years ago. He has a background at InQtel and Google. Tell us a little about uh, Charles. Charles actually joined me on Jan 1st. So up until uh, December, I was actually on my own. The, the reason why Fund 2 was just a solo exercise is that I wanted to be able to essentially evolve my investment strategy without having to move you know, an entire team around. So I said, Fund 2 will be sort of an experiment fund on my own and then fund three is the real deal. And so known Charles for about 10 years, I met him when he was at InQtel, he's done InQtel, Google, he's done a couple of uh, gaming companies, he's built a very successful uh, conference business around uh, gaming, uh, his last company sold to Zynga and uh, now he's actually a venture partner with me building um, a gaming company on Android and investing for Softech. So there's just a handful of guys would be crazy enough to do a company and an early stage fund at the same time. Charles is one of them. What are you looking for now? I saw that matrix on your website. Yes. It, it, it's very interesting. Tell us a little about that. So Fund3 is going to invest anywhere from 250 to 750 in early stage opportunities. We always, always syndicate with other, you know, angels, micro VC funds, and sometimes even traditional funds. Uh, most typically, we come in as part of a 500 to million five sort of round, um, which will be the first money in, most typically. Um, people often ask, you know, the range of valuation, so it's sort of, you know, 4.5 to, you know, 5, 5.5 sort of pre-ish yeah. in this market. Um, and we'll try and, and buy about 5% of the company at that time, unless we, we lead, in which case we'll be um, 10%. In terms of sectors, so we're very active in e-commerce. So we see Groupon leaving social, a lot of vertical opportunities, so very active in that space. Mobile is definitely one of our major themes, both mobile infrastructure and mobile applications, uh, something that um, uh, we did with Fund2 where we're investor in Tapulus, which was and still is one of the largest deployments on the platform. So we learned a lot, we're applying that in Fund3. Um, and the rest is really sort of SaaS, search, monetization, advertising. Uh, we really think about the world as how can we deploy our um, fund across a myriad of opportunities, but in a very well-organized way. People see us investing in 60 deals in, in three years, and they say, it's pre and pre. You guys don't know what you're doing. And actually, there's a lot of method toward madness. And we really think about portfolio construction, about phasing, about industries in, in which we want to invest so that we can deliver to our investors a sort of balanced portfolio and a balance of risk. Let's talk a little about that portfolio. And now it seems like when you've done 99 investments, you start to play chess at a much higher level. Um, you're, you're starting to make uh, sort of arrangements for your companies, mm -hmm. for their exit strategy, looking at the whole life cycle. Tell us a little about what playing chess at that level is like, what you're doing. When you're going to commit to a company, the first discussion, point of discussion you have with the CEO and the team is, 
how can we help you with our resources or network or you know expertise uh, the few things that we, we've learned uh, over the years and how can we sort of bring in a set of complementary investors so that we build this foundation of support that will really help you get to the next level and for most seed companies we're really talking about you know roughly 18 months of runway that's what the seed round is for building the product getting into market and essentially proving to the next round investor that what we have is actually really worthy of a more traditional sort of Series A, three to five million dollars. And so everything we do is aimed at hitting those milestones that will get the company to the next level. That might be you know, helping with uh, business development, that might be sort of pimping the company on TV, that might be sort of um, making some business opportunities available to them. We really, so in our business, there's no pride, right? We basically do whatever it takes to help our companies. You heard that here, no, there's no pride in this business. On the acquisition side, I'm sure you've made a lot of inroads over the years, right? This is your so sixth or seventh year in doing this yes. straight. Tell us a little about that. So we've had 17 exits, um, and so you learn a few things here and there. Uh, and typically you don't really sort of talk about those things, but um, uh, at every point in the execution of the company, the entrepreneur will be faced with the choice of either continuing or, you know, positively answering to, hey, how about an offer at X? And so it has to be sort of a, a seamless process where as an investor, early stage investor, you're very aligned with the entrepreneur. You want to be, you have to be. And so if they say, and happened to me a number of times, look, I know we could go to several hundred million dollars of, of value, but that offer on the table is actually bringing me, you know, 10, 15, 20 million dollars in my personal pocket, you know, me and my co-founders, and we'd love to take that. And even though you have the legal rights to go against it, you will never, you will sort of make them aware of your position. You will sort of say, hey, if I was you, this is how I would look at the opportunity. And yes, there is this, this you know, get the money in now or later. But at the end of the day, you present the facts to them and you help them find potentially you know, alternatives, a better deal, negotiate on their behalf because you've done this quite a few times, but always, always support what they want to do, ultimately. Have you noticed some network effects amongst your portfolio and how that, is, how that has affected things? So we have 60 plus active portfolio companies. So people who are still in the portfolio that we help you know, on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, depending as to how long they've been around. And there's always this opportunity for us to bring the, the, the younger you know, companies to the more mature ones saying, go to, to this you know, VP of BizDev there or you know, meet the VP of sales or talk to that CEO base because whatever is done you know, over the last year is very relevant to you. So you get a lot of network effects across the portfolio. What we don't do though is build that Kuratsu thing that was very popular 10 years ago when you were like buying, you know, investing in this company that was selling to this company, which was, you know, buying from this company. No, we don't do that because it's just not the way you build uh, a portfolio. It's just too risky. You're here in New York City. You're yes. very active in New York City. You're doing yes. a lot of deals in New York City. You're in AdStruck, you're in Chartbeat, you're in many companies. Bitly. Uh, Bitly and others. Tell us a little. Okay, tell us a little about New York City, what it means to you and why you spend so much time here? So I've actually spent a lot of time personally in New York because uh, in my previous life, when I was selling to the financial markets, obviously Wall Street was the number one market. I actually had a, um, we did an acquisition in New York, uh, so I spent a lot of time here. But as an investor, typically, 
especially on the angel side, you say, well, I have to be able to drive to my investments, right? Because you want to be, you know, face to face. If ever there is a problem, you know, get a call, you're there. And so I can tell you that New York is just, you know, a few hours away driving uh, from, um, from Silicon Valley because now there is a lot of things happening in New York that are really interesting. And I basically said no to New York until Fanbridge dragged me to just say, okay, I can't pass on that deal. I will do it. And, you know, as I was spending more time here, I got the opportunity to invest in Bitly and, and a few others. And because you're spending time, you're meeting with entrepreneurs. And so you have sort of the positive network effect of discovering opportunities. And now our strategy is stated, which is 80% Silicon Valley, 15% New York, and the rest of the 5% will figure it out. Challenges. What are the biggest challenges and sort of obstacles for you as, as an investor? There's really a number of things. Um, one is, you know, are we seeing all the companies that we should invest in? You know, is there a deal flow, some pockets of deal flow out there that we don't see? And the answer is these days um, we have a pretty optimal deal flow. We, there's always like a few deals that um, we might want to have seen, but pretty much we're very happy with the access we have. The big challenge is to just go through the execution of the first 18 months of the life of a company and try and avoid screwing it up. Because you might have a fantastic team, you might have a great product, you might have a real market opportunity, but screw it up. So good old execution and figuring out how we can help and, and sort of avoid traps and pitfalls without you know, being over the shoulder of the CEO and the team because we can't and they don't want us to anyway. And then as, as the company scales, um, still figuring out how you can transition your help from the initial sort of support to the scaling support. Um, many people sort of consider that once you're at $10 million in revenue, 50 people and so on and so forth, it's sort of easy. No, it's not. You can actually screw it up. We've had, unfortunately, a couple of companies that went to you know, $20 million in revenue and, pfft, you know, crater. So figuring out how best you can support your entrepreneurs along the way as they get to you know, maturity and, and eventually escape velocity is, is our day-to-day -day challenge. An average day for you must be uh, co completely varied. You must be looking at many deals, you must be helping your portfolio companies, you must be, tell us a little about an average day in your life. Average day starts um, around, you know, so either 5 or, or 7 a.m., um, try to spend a bit of time with the kids, do a bunch of emails. Day starts in the office at 8 a.m., and it lasts until, you know, seven, eight, nine, sometimes more. Uh, mix of helping, supporting companies, so catching up with CEOs, um, deal flow, so meeting new companies, looking at opportunities, as I said, you know, 10 to 30 come to us a day, roughly, of which, you know, two to three will get um, sort of a meeting and eventually we'll um, filter that down to um, two deals a month. Um, there will be a lot of um, you know, interviews, there will be a lot of uh, you know, public speaking, there will be um, a lot of interactions that will help the portfolio because you know, by being on, on, on this kind of um, uh, interview, I can pimp a couple of companies, you know, this will sort of bring deal flow. It's, it's always very useful to establish the, the brand for us. Right. Um, and so it's, it's very diverse. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you. This is one of the hardest working guys in venture capital and early stage investing. Thank you so much for coming on the Thanks show. For having Great me. to have you. Cheers. Show you around, give you a taste of business, you know? <laughs>